0: Now, the coronavirus pandemic could claim as many as 40,000 lives uh, when it reaches its peak in South Africa later this year. Uh, That's according to new modelling data. Now, the data was presented by a team of scientific experts and uh, the Department of Health in a closed media briefing last night. And we're now joined by a research associate uh, professor at the Center for Global Health and Development of the Boston University uh, School of Public Health, uh, Dr. Hasina Meyer-Roth. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for me. Now, um, firstly, doctor Maya Meyer-Roth, uh, if you could just please just take us through this new modelling data and what exactly it entails.
1: So, We've been modelling as a consortium very much as a collaborative effort between three different groups for the last six weeks at the request of the National Department of Health. The groups involved are Sesima at the University of Stellenbosch, Masha um, at the University of Cape Town and then us at Hero at the University of um the Witwatersrand where I'm actually a resident even though I do have a faculty appointment at Boston University in the states so we've been modeling together um under the leadership of the NICD the National Institute for Communicable Diseases um to give the department of health some idea of the cases of COVID-19 to expect over the next couple of months Um, Our models run actually well into next year, even though, of course, the further out we model, the greater the uncertainty becomes. We've then, based on that, also started to model the um, not just cases, but also severe and critically ill uh, patients that will be expected in order to give some notion of the um, resource need in the health uh, sector that will result from COVID. And based on that, we've then projected the number of hospital beds, and in particular, critical care beds that will be required. And then my contribution in particular was to um, build that into a separate budget model to try and estimate not just the number of resources, but also um, essentially the cost that would be required from the fiscus. Um, as well as on the private side um, in order to fund the health response to COVID-19.
0: So your team says that uh, South Africa is facing two scenarios as we move down to level three of our lockdown potentially in June. Uh, Can you just talk us through those scenarios please?
1: So we, those are the two kind of underlying scenarios in the model. They don't necessarily speak to level three at all. Um, in our modeling, we have restricted ourselves to basically taking one um, uh, big chunk of uncertainty into account. We have everything else as well, but in our main modeling, we're just varying those two, um, which then result in an optimistic and a pessimistic scenario. Those two scenarios vary in how much we think we have reduced transmission during the lockdown, as well as during stage four, which we're currently in, as well as going forward. And so the differences there are are quite interesting. We we actually had to increase the impact that the lockdown has had on transmission from an initial assumption that optimally, we'd only have a 50% reduction. We actually now in our optimistic scenario have a 60% reduction as a result of the lockdown. And we have um, reduced that for the current stage 4 to 35 percent and then probably 20 percent reduction in transmission of new cases um, uh, going forward under level 3. Or, you know, when some parts of the country go to level 3 from the 1st of June onwards. We will update this regularly mostly based on the, the actual number of detected cases as well as deaths. Um, we then have a pessimistic scenario that basically has lower assumptions for all of these in terms of um, the impact of the, those restrictions, lockdown and other restrictions on the on transmission.
0: So looking at the modelling that you've done, and uh, you say you have specifically looked at uh, the number of beds that we may need 40,000 lives uh, that uh, the coronavirus pandemic could potentially claim at its peak how is south africa positioned to deal with this as things currently stand
1: so it's important to remember these are cumulative deaths so that's basically that the maximum that we might be seeing between 40 and 40,000 deaths over the next couple of months or by by the end of the year essentially um This is assuming that we will have one big peak of cases in South Africa over the next couple of months, with a peak um, at some stage between mid-July and and essentially mid-August, going up to basically infecting uh, up to 12 to 14 million uh, people altogether, so cumulatively um, over time. And so that is, that is basically the maximum scenario. If we don't um, find other ways of, of basically, um, again, restricting movement um, and, and reducing transmission even further, then basically we're assuming it's more or less stage three um, from the 1st of um, 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 June onwards going forward. Of course, as soon as the deaths start to rise again, we would assume that there will be additional restrictions and that also people will um, quite possibly voluntarily um, adhere to the restrictions more diligently than they would before. And that is an effect that um, some of us have mod- mod- modeled in the Ebola um, epidemic, and that is something that models have basically underestimated, and we see this actually in epidemic modeling the world over and across epidemics. That the behavioural aspect has been underestimated at the beginning, and that is probably quite, quite um, correctly so, because we don't really know how people will react, and it is not a bad um, starting position to, to to first put out data on basically the maximum that we could see. But this might well change; it might also get worse. We might well have underestimated put mortality, but there is quite a good chance that it will get less. And that, in the end. Um, secondly, we might also not just see one big peak, but several peaks that are much slow, much lower, both in terms of um, total cases, active cases, cases needing hospitalizations, but also in terms of death. So this disease could well be with us for a number of years.
0: So, um, uh, Dr. Mayerath, uh, one of the concerns is, of course, exactly how modeling influences policy, because at a time when we are seeing numbers going up in terms of infections of uh, COVID-19 and positive cases in South Africa, there's talk of uh, easing lockdown restrictions, children going back to school, etc. So how exactly uh, does modelling inform policy?
1: We have worked very closely with the National Department of Health and increasingly also with provincial departments of health on our um, results over the last couple of weeks. We have had to redo our analyses every couple of weeks as we got new data, and that is exactly as it should be. Um, We cannot really comment a lot to um, whether, why this data was not made available publicly before, but we do know that the policy process has been very tightly informed by this model, um, as well as other, other people's analyses. And that includes, of course, um, analyses that took other factors into account, as they well should, um, including um, analyses of the impact on the economy, on the macroeconomy, um, on GDP, on uh, morbidity, mortality um, from other diseases. So none of that we cur- we are currently in a in a position to include in our model. Um, optimally, someone would have all of the data available from the same model all at the same time. But since we've started these models very much along the epidemic starting, um, we haven't quite gotten around to um, incorporating all of those aspects. So right now um, we are just but one of groups that is informing government policy. A number of other analyses have been presented likewise to the National Department of Health and to other departments. Um, to the control, COVID control council and other places. Um, we're not really privy to what our data is being used for. And, um, to be quite frank, either should we, um, we're presenting numbers and not making decisions. And that is an, quite an important differentiation that, um, tends to stand us in, in good stead.
0: And just a final question with regard to children: Um, Have you done any specific modelling in that regard on uh, COVID nineteen, the impact and infection rate on children, for example?
1: So we've um, we've had a good look at the data so far, just like a number of other groups and analysts and. and members of the media, there is not a lot, just like in most other countries, really, um, there is not a lot of infection that we're seeing in children. We see almost no hospitalizations. What we don't know at this stage, um, in South Africa at least, is how much children will um, contribute to transmission, especially once the schools open again. But there is a very good reason to believe that the contribution to transmission will be minimal out of out of children. I'm myself a mother of two children under the age of eight, so I know that everyone is dreading winter anyway. And the idea of now sending back the kids and receiving them home at snotty houses, this within a couple of days, is really not very appealing, especially with an, with a virus that no one quite knows on the loose. I completely understand everyone's fears, but from our modeling, we ha- we haven't specifically looked at the impact of uh, lifting restrictions on schools yet. But also, from the worldwide data that we are watching, there is no not much of a reason to believe that opening the schools will kick the epidemic into overdrive. It will probably contribute, but it might well I think between us we'd all be very surprised if it would contribute gigantically to a fast acceleration of um our basic journey towards the peak. Um, having said that, I think it's really important in all of you know interpreting all of this data. Um, and engaging with the realities and also for each of us to make our decisions um regarding to let in and where to go and how often to go and to leave the house, um how often to wash our hands even and who to interact with it 's really important to remember that we all know one thing for sure and that it that is that it 's in all our hands to The more we um stick to those restrictions that are currently implemented the the easier it will be to ride out this wave and to kind of get on top. Of this epidemic, and whether or not we agree with the minute of regulations, we can do our best to stick to them as much as possible.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, uh, Dr. Hazina Meyer Roth, research associate professor at the Center for Global Health and Development of Boston University School of Public Health.